0: What exactly is courage? Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. I'm Chris Hahn. Welcome to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm uh, sorry this is getting out a little late. We had a little technical problem with our interview, but everything's ready. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy the mooch a little later on in the program. Last night, the Texas Democrats got on a plane from Texas and went to Washington to escape the tyranny trying to be wrought by Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott and some of the Republicans in Texas then called them cowards. Hence my question, what is courage? I I think courage is for elected officials to want as many people as possible to judge them on their records. Courage is not being afraid of the voters. Courage is not trying to rig the game so that you're going you're gonna to win no matter what. And when you're in a state like Texas, which has definitely been trending more blue, it hasn't quite gotten to where we thought it would be by now, frankly. And I think that's a problem with the Democratic Party's outreach towards Latino communities in Texas, particularly in South Texas. But it is trending in a Democratic direction. It's only a matter of time. Uh, I wouldn't say it's going to ever be a uh, bright blue state like New York, but it it could definitely be a swing state at some point in time where Democrats have a fighting chance to win that state. And if Democrats can win Texas, it's game over for Republicans as far as the presidential election goes for a while. They'll have to make up those electoral votes. Um, From small states that I I just don't see them climbing back, even if they you know flipped some midwestern states I think it was very courageous for the Texas House Democrats to leave Texas to leave their families to leave their we- their friends their work even cuz Texas you know Texas legislature is a part-time legislature the the governor brought them back in town for the sole purpose of suppressing the vote that's it He wants to pass laws to suppress the vote because Texas Republicans have failed Texans. Let's be clear here. What has gone on in the state of Texas over the last year? They had two inches of snow in February. In a state, by the way, that does get snow. I've been to Texas twice in my life. Once it was beautiful in February, and once I was there in January, and it was ice cold, freezing cold, so cold to the point that the hotel I was staying in I, I guess they, they heated the hotel via heat pump. And when it gets below a certain temperature, heat pumps are somewhat ineffective. It was freezing in my hotel room. And I'm an idiot. I'm a runner. You guys know that about me. Uh, I love to go to a city and run. That's really the best way, in my opinion, to see a city. And I went down to Texas, and I didn't check the forecast. And it was the second time I'd been to Texas in the winter. And I only brought shorts and a t-shirt to run in. And I was like, eh, I'm not going to run out of trouble. I want to see the city. I want to run around the city. And I ran around the city. I was fine when I was running. It was like 30 degrees. I was fine running in the shorts and the t-shirt. You warm up pretty quickly running. The problem was that when I got back to the hotel, I could not warm up. I turned the heat way up. I got in the shower. I could not warm up. I wound up getting a cold. I was sick for like a week. Not not like deathly sick, but just like that a nagging cold for a week. So it gets cold in Texas. Two inches of snow, the whole state shut down, the power grid shut down. It's because of mismanagement, years of Republican experimentation in Texas, not really abiding, not abiding by the rules of any other state in the United States of America when it comes to their power grid. And people who were fortunate to turn their power on for a little while during that brief period in February were hit with huge electricity bills. I'm sorry. Stand before the voters and tell them why that's a good thing. Tell them why your deregulated power grid, your inability to clear the roads in the snow is good for them and what you're going to do to change it next time. That would be courage. That would be courage. Making it so people who are mad at you can't vote or making it harder for them to vote. That's not courage. That is what cowards do. Greg Abbott, Texas Republicans. And I get it. I get it, Greg. You got two cat you got two challengers to your right. Alan West and some other nut job. And Alan West, by the way, Alan West is, you know, one of the top nut jobs in the world. I mean, he was a Florida congressman, became the Texas Republican Party chairman. I don't know how that works. And from what I would understand, he wasn't very good at being a congressman. But he resigned as being Texas Republican chairman a couple of weeks ago so they could challenge Greg Abbott for the Republican nomination for governor. Good luck with that one. That'll be a fun crazy versus crazy. I mean, Greg, I don't think Greg Abbott, let me be very clear. I don't think Greg Abbott's that crazy. I think Greg Abbott's like all these other Republicans in this country. They're going along with all the nonsense of the far right extremist in their party. And Greg Abbott's right there with them. Now Greg Abbott's worried for his life. Uh, his political life, that is, and he's gonna, you know, try to say that the the big lie even happened in Texas, where the Republicans won in Texas. They won everything. There were there was record voter turnout. Republicans still won. They competed and they won. They actually won by increasing their margins with non white voters in Texas. Democrats underperformed with Latinos in Texas. So now you're gonna tell me. Because I guess Democrats are figuring out that they need to work on getting those Latino votes, that they're not going to be there. Thank God. Now you're going to tell me that the election was somehow not secure in your own state that was run by Republican secretaries of state and Republicans all across the board in that state. But no, let's make it more restrictive. Let's make it so fewer people in Texas have the ability to vote and let's make it hard for people to vote in democratic precincts. Let's make it a six hour wait to vote in Texas. It's nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense, frankly. If you were, if you had the courage of your convictions, if you were not a coward, Greg Abbott, you would want every Texan to vote as easy as possible. It should be easier to vote than to order a freaking pizza. You should be able to vote in 30 minutes or less. It's a lot of nonsense what they're doing down there in Texas. It's because they're cowards. And they, you know, they should be afraid of the voters because the voters are going to throw them out because they failed. And the first test would be this year in the local elections that would happen across Texas. And I I imagine that a lot of these Republican counties that are kind of teetering on the on the brink of flipping are going to flip because people are mad. Not only did they have the problem in the winter, they had rolling blackouts in the summer. They did not have enough energy in the summer. People want accountability and they want to see their state run properly. And quite frankly, on most issues that matter to voters in these midterm elections and these local elections and these governor's races, it's not these big national issues. It's not whether Donald Trump is the devil or not. Did you pave my road? Did the power stay on when it snowed? Did you clear the snow from the street so I could get to work? This is These are the kind of bread and butter issues that are, that are failing in Texas. It's nonsense. And by the way, don't get me wrong, I love Texas. I've been to Texas a couple times. I love Texas. It's a great state. Everybody I know from Texas is fantastic. My wife's uh, aunt and uncle live in Texas. They were up last weekend. I love Texas. I love the South, too. Everybody, people hear me talking about this. Stuff. I love Every time I go to the South, I love it. I love the food in the South. But I think that Everyone across this nation deserves a government that is chosen by the people, that works for them, that is responsive to their needs. That's not trying to make it harder for people who may or may not vote for them to vote. I think the role of government when it comes to elections is trying to find a way to make as many people vote as possible. And there was no massive voter fraud. It's not a big issue. I don't understand why. I, don't, I mean, I don't understand why rank and file Republicans are going along with this. It's nonsense. You, you really need to pivot into working on problems that are affecting Americans and not, not like fantasies made up by one of the most insecure people ever to hold the office of president in the history of this country. You got to move on. You got to work it out. You got to come to the table with some ideas, and then maybe you'll win. You held on to Texas in a year when, frankly, Texas should have flipped. It should have flipped. So let's figure it out. All right. I got a great guest. And then, you know, I'm going to come back. I had an incident on Kennedy like two weeks ago. I I wasn't going to talk about it on the podcast, but uh, the other guy talked about it on the podcast. So I might talk about it a little bit. Uh, I want to come back from talking with uh, the mooch, Anthony Scaramucci. So uh, listen to this interview, and then I'll be right back. A guy who you see on CNBC now uh, and uh, spent 11 days as the communication director of the former president of the United States and has been a critic pretty much ever since that torrid 11 days in the White House. Anthony Scaramucci is back. He is a friend of the show. Mooch, how you doing?
1: I'm, I'm doing great. I appreciate you getting the days right. Some people say 10, and it hurts my feelings. It, so I, I,
0: I have that. said 10, and you, we had lunch a couple weeks ago. You did the math for me on the table. I, I yeah, dispute exactly. the math a lot, but you went to Harvard, so I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Well,
1: not only that, I mean, when the president was criticizing me, he did, in his own tweets, when he used to have a Twitter account, say 11 days. So, you know, there you go.
0: Even he, he yeah, but, you know, I don't ever trust his math. So well,
1: all, right, all right well that all right well that's true but but and I and I have to correct something because I think it's important because we're I think we're heading into the age of truth, yes, which is why your show is so popular. so when I left the White House because I'm trying to be a loyal person and a dutiful citizen, I accepted that I did made a mistake, the firing I took personal responsibility for, yep. and I did try to stay loyal to the president and his agenda. It became impossible because. Whatever level of lunacy he was at, and my progressive friends will say, well, you should have known better. He got continually more and more loony, and then it became past the point of no return, where you just had to look at him and say, okay, this is enough. There's no way this guy can stay as president. Uh, There'll be too many deaths from COVID. There'll be absolute destruction of the economy. Yep. And potentially the undermining of our democracy.
0: So, but I did stay loyal to. Him. Well, I said pretty much ever since it was. Yeah, it was about. I,
1: mean, I, I have to own that. I have to own those mistakes in my life. So I just want to make sure I'm, uh, I'm talking to you with great clarity uh, I, and
0: honesty. I actually, uh, I, I actually did a segment on the show about how everybody makes mistakes tonight. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. I, I was talking about Michael Knowles, who yeah. uh, is a guy who I debated years ago. And he got banned from uh, Fox after that debate because he called Greta Thornberg a mentally ill Swedish child. And I tore him a new one on national television. It got a lot of right. acclaim. He got banned from a lot of things, and he was back on TV last night. Everybody's asking me, "What do you think about?" It? I'm like, "Well, you know, the guy's been off TV for two years. How long? He's got to be punished for the rest of his freaking life." <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. No, I, <laughs> I, I,
1: I agree with all. Well, I'm glad you feel that way, right? Because uh, Michael Avenatti was sentenced today. Yep. Uh, two two and a half years. And uh, Michael Cohen, who was an adversary, a nemesis of his, pointed out that the judge was uh, fair and let's move on. Yes. I think we have to do that as a country. I think at the end of the day, I don't want people canceled. I want people to be successful. And if they're making mistakes, let's learn from them and let's move on. But, but I, I think one of the reasons why your star is rising is clarity. You're looking at things and you're calling balls and strikes and you're not using one strike zone for liberals and a different strike zone for conservatives. Right. I think people have a lot of respect for you.
0: I, I Look, I, 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 you know, I, I tell this to candidates all the time when they're running for office. They say, well, what do I say about this if this comes up because my person, say, you know, a Democrat says this and I'm being called to answer for it. I go, you say I have one set of standards. I'm going to hold people to my set of standards no matter what they are. You know, I've got to be fair. If somebody says something that I disagree with and they happen to be a Democrat, I'm going to disagree with them. The problem, you know what the problem is in America today, Anthony? People don't want to do that. Like on the right or the left, if the right, if somebody on on my team says it, Mm -hmm. you know, then I'm okay with it no matter what it was. And we saw that a lot with Trump. Right, Trump was saying things that for years were the opposite view of Republicans in this country. But because Trump said it, all the Republicans decided to change their view on a dime. They had no principles.
1: Well, I mean, you, 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 you and I are in agreement with that. And I also think that they've made a decision, rightly or wrongly, that they care more about the preservation of their own power yes. than any set of principles, any set of dem- democratic principles. And, you know, they're losing the game on their ideas. They haven't gotten a popular vote win, and God only knows when. Let's go over the math. They, they, they've gotten one popular presidential vote win since 1988. Yep. Okay, that was the 2004 election.
0: Yep, so, took a war uh, to do that, frankly.
1: Yeah, so they're losing in the battle of ideas. But yet, rather than renewing their ideas, reengineering their strategy, coming up with a different approach... They're tripling down on insanity. Now, why are they doing that? Yeah. Why are they doing that? Do you know the answer to that? Because I, I, I live I,
0: with these people. I think the they're doing it because they have bought into a set of beliefs that the other side is evil of some sort and that they that's must have it. power.
1: Okay, so that's exactly what it is. It's a supremacy issue. We're smarter than the other side. We're better than the other side. and uh, and And this is what people do. This is what causes systemic... Danger in a society—you uh, want to call it white supremacy, you want to call it superiority, yep. whatever you want to call it. By the way, I'm 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 going to be critical of the left as well. There's elements of critical race theory that I don't like. Uh, I, I don't I don't think we we want to be in the blame exercise in 2021. We want to be in the healing. And we want to be in the going forward, trying to make life as fair as possible. But I don't. Yeah, know but how we're
0: but mooch, the only place you're going to learn about critical race theory is at like five or six law schools in America. This is like the thing about critical race theory. Well, I was at I was at one. Of I know you were, races. and you probably didn't even you probably didn't even take that class because it was an elective, and you probably didn't take electives. No, no <laughs> you, I mean, I'm going to tell
1: you why I took it. Okay, because uh, I don't know if you remember Derek Bell, the legendary civil rights lawyer that's now deceased. He yep. Back in the news recently, he was the first African-American tenured professor at Harvard. Uh, he was my faculty advisor. I wrote a third-year paper there um, about housing discrimination quotas, and I took the critical race theory stuff because I really wanted to understand their point of view. Yep. And you know this as being a lawyer. You've got to delve into what the other people are thinking. John F. Kennedy said long ago, that it's important for me to understand the other side. There are smart people on the other side, so I need to understand it and perhaps challenge my own thoughts right. to see if there's common ground. We're not doing that anymore. Mm. Your thoughts are bad. You're not part of my tribe. My thoughts are good. I'm in my tribe. Right. But your your thoughts could create bad outcomes. Or people, no, it's okay because it's my tribe. Yeah. Anything that happens, I will reconfigure and justify. I'm going to move it, the strikes. So it is
0: It is amazing. Principle. It's It's amazing, Mooch, and you hit the nail on the head. It's tribalism because if you ask most Trump voters about the Biden agenda, but don't subscribe it to Biden, do you like this? Do you like that? They like it 70, 80% of the time you assign yep. it to Biden. It's 20% of the time. It's. It's amazing to me.
1: Well, but there's bias in that, you know, I mean, yep. you 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 know and and so, but listen, the good news is President Biden is by and large doing a good job. Are there problems? How could there not be? Of what course. president has it been faced with problems or a series of crises? Richard Neustadt, the presidential historian at Harvard, he said if it gets to the president's desk, it means there were five thousand other people in that government that couldn't make the decision. Yeah, and so it's typically a decision between this is going to be bad. Or this is gonna be even worse than bad. Right. right. And ultimately, every president is vexed with that dilemma.
0: Yeah, it's horrible, horrible stuff. All right, so I'm running up against a break here. Uh that's one of the things I hate about syndication. Uh so I'm gonna I wanna just, you know, quickly, quickly, quickly. Worst thing that happened this week in politics, in your opinion?
1: Well, I mean the the worst thing that happened this week in politics is Donald Trump, still the worst thing in politics. Yeah, he, he He's not going away. He's suing Facebook and Twitter. He, he's he's grift in he, Florida.
0: He's grifting. He's grifting. He's grifting. He's,
1: out in, he's, and he's, grifting. he's yeah. out in Florida speaking at events. And he still has a stranglehold on what was once an august party. You may yep. not agree with every principle of that party, but that was the
0: party of Abraham. It was Trump. once a great party. It's not anymore. All right. My man, uh, all this talk about the indictments of the Trump org, I, I am not getting my hopes up. I know uh, that his CFO, Alan Weiselberg was uh, indicted last week. And I, I'm sure there will probably be more indictments within the organization. You worked for the guy. I mean, he didn't use email. He wants to insulate himself with layers of other people around him. What do you think is going to happen here?
1: So we had lunch. And I said to you at lunch that the indict a president sitting former president there's got to be a super high fre- threshold imagine those prosecutors embarrassment if they indict the sitting president and he gets off yeah and particularly yeah. this president in terms of the way he would use that as a political it would almost be like a flamethrower oh. be descending on the masses yeah so, yep. so I have been in your camp which is unlikely. Uh, didn't buy into all of the stuff related to him because I remember as you know he doesn't use the email as you just pointed out um, but the and alan Weiselberg I don't know him I don't even think i've met him right I worked for donald Trump's campaign um, my guess is he would have no incentive to rat on donald trump right what would be the incentive if if alan Weiselberg goes to jail for what he did which is possible uh, i'm not saying it isn't how long of a jail sentence will he get? Michael Avenatti got two and a half years. Right. Um, and, and is it worth it to him? And what would be the consequence to him long term? So so I don't think Donald Trump's getting indicted. I think Donald Trump, six out of 10, seven out of 10 is running for president. Yeah. You pointed out during the commercial break that if he gets indicted, it may go from seven out of 10 to nine out of
0: 10. Yeah. Running. Ten out of 10. It's like the it's yeah, incentive yeah, yeah. for him to run for president.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so to me, Donald Trump's with us. The question is, is what are we as Americans gonna do with Donald Trump? Ultimately Donald Trump has intoxicated twenty percent of our population that literally believes that he can shoot somebody on, on Fifth Avenue. He is their great white hope. Yeah. And 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 we have to understand those people. I'm not exactly sure we're ever gonna convince those people otherwise. I'll take you back to nineteen forty the election of 1940 and the crisis that the country was having and the America First movement yep. that Charles Lindbergh, Father Coughlin, these lunatics that were America-centric people, and of course nobody remembers Wendell Wilkie, but what what did Wendell Wilkie do? Uh, Roosevelt asked him for help in putting down that movement, uh, and the two of them together did that. Is Kevin McCarthy a Wendell Wilkie? Is Mitch McConnell a Wendell Wilkie? No, I think you and I, I think you and I know the answer to that. Yeah, so that 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 gives me great pause and makes me worry because what we need right now is a Wendell Wilkie to team up with normal, practical people and put down this fire that's burning in the former party known as the
0: Republican. Well, you are you're hitting the nail on the head there, and it's something that you and I have talked about a great deal over the years. Here, uh, you know, we've known each other for about a year now this guy has this stranglehold over people that even like, you know, Kevin McCarthy with this January 6th commission, Kevin McCarthy was furious with the former guy on January 6th. His statement on the floor could have been made by me. And now he won't even support this. He didn't want to support the commission. Uh, we're hearing he might be playing games with the select committee. Who knows? I don't expect these people to stand up to him at all. And and the question is why aren't more Republicans Standing up to him, walking away.
1: Uh, They get primary. Yeah. They get get schooled. You know, Eric Cantor, I'm going to take you back. Yeah. Eric Cantor wanted a immigration deal. He wanted something passed. And his party went and primaried him. And they picked somebody more radically right than him and knocked him out of a senior leadership position. In the House of Representatives, That's yeah. the thing for Eric Cantor. He's going on and had a great life, but Eric Cantor will tell you that these people, if they want to stay in politics, their base, okay, you know, looks like one of these zombies movies, Dawn of the Dead movies,
0: yeah,
1: okay, and and they're and they're they're not they're not leading. Uh, a leader would go to the base and say, "Look, we got to get this right. We got to get it right for all Americans, not for just our brand of Americans or our tribe." And so none of them are willing to do that. Wendell Wilkie in 1940. He was defeated by Franklin Roosevelt. Controversial election because Roosevelt broke George Washington's uh, vow. Right. The vow not to run for a third term. But look, we're going potentially going into a war. I'm going to run. Wilkie was defeated. He went to see him. How can I help you? What Republican out there is going to do that for Joe Biden?
0: Yeah, I, I don't think any, frankly. I really, really don't. I mean, John McCain so, died too soon, frankly. John McCain yeah, would have done so. that. <laughs>
1: John, McCain, John McCain, may his soul rest in peace, would have done that. So what we have to hope happens, and I'm working on this, that we hive off or break up a large enough piece of the Republican Party that you decimate that party and you turn that into a minority party, an, an undemocratic minority party that breaks up and eventually splinters and then hopefully gets reformed. Well, well way, wait whenever, a minute,
0: wait, 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 wait.
1: think of Liz Cheney, she's trying to do that.
0: Uh, right so down. let me just stop you there. You slipped something in there. You're working on that. What do you mean you're working on that?
1: I'm working on that. I've, I've teamed up with a group of people, a former Bush people, former Romney presidential campaign run people. Uh, we're organizing and we're working on what will be a movement. It'll sort of be a center right Alliance. You remember. You may remember uh, Miles Taylor, who yep. wrote the anonymous book. It's a. It's a group of what I would call rational, pragmatic Republicans. Uh, your progressive friends may not agree with every one of their ideas, but I think they have something in common with your progressive friends: is that they want to preserve the integrity of the democracy. Yes. I, if I'm going to lose to AOC. I want to lose in the intellectual marketplace of ideas. Mm. I don't want to lose as a result of voter suppression or gerrymandering, you know, meaning or or win for those reasons, right? I don't want to redistrict and suppress people from voting so that I can win. I want to be able to state my case and in the intellectual free marketplace of ideas, beat the person. If I can't do that, then I got to I got to focus on rebranding and rethinking.
0: Or thinking of new ideas. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. It. That's what this country's about. Competing yeah. on the field of ideas, not yeah. like with these ridiculous laws that they're passing around the country to try to keep people from voting. It is it is amazing to me that there aren't more people just coming out like you just said and joining movements like yours from the right cuz let me tell you something this is going on the left. I'd be doing the same thing right now and uh, I'd be I'd be splintering off and trying to preserve democracy in this country. So, sorry that Mooch interview was a little short. I uh, I had a problem with the last segment of that interview, the technical difficulty I was talking about earlier in the show. I couldn't recover it to a quality that I felt was good enough for this podcast. So, but if you know what, I'll tell you what. If you if you want to hear it, you could at you could go to uh, my ChristopherHahn.com dot uh, Site and just shoot me an email from there and I'll send you a copy of it as long as I don't get a thousand requests for it because we aren't getting a lot we are doing pretty well here so I uh I don't know if I could get a thousand of them out but uh I'll tell you what if I get more than 150 requests for it I'm just gonna put it up on the website in its original form it sounds horrible you could hear us but it just sounds like the quality sucks so I I didn't want to put it in so That was the problem. That's why this podcast is late today, and and the Mooch is great. He'll be back in in a couple months. I'll have Mooch back, and we'll chat, and hopefully I won't have the same technical problem uh, with the Mooch. But I always enjoy talking to him. Always enjoy talking to people who have experienced things and kind of regret it, and that's that. So let me segue into uh, this whole thing with Dave Smith. So... You know, there's a Venn diagram of people who listen to this podcast and listen to uh, listen to Dave Smith's podcast. And there's probably one person in it. It happens to be somebody who I'm pretty close with. And I was playing golf with him uh, yesterday. And he said, oh, man, when are you going to debate Dave Smith? I go, what are you talking about? I, I debate Dave Smith all the time on Kennedy and Frankly, we had a a pretty raucous debate last week. He's like, yeah, I know. He played it in his podcast. I'm like, he played it in his podcast. So first of all, let me say this. The debate I had with Ben Smith, um, I guess it was a week and a half, two weeks ago on Kennedy. I'm not proud of that debate. Let me be clear. Um, I got annoyed with him because we were talking about the ban of Shikari Richardson from the Olympics, something that I and him and I agree with on, I, I agree with him almost hundred uh, percent on everything he said. I did not like the fact that for the second time on the show, he turned it into a partisan attack on Biden. I also agree with him that Biden's position on marijuana and other drugs in the nineties was completely wrong as was everyone in this freaking country. Democrat, Republican, independent for the most part. If you were elected to Congress in the 90s, you probably had a bad position on drugs. You know who didn't have a bad position on this? In the 90s, Maxine Waters, who in the next block on that same segment, Dave Smith and Kennedy and Tim Carney, all ripping apart for something else, for um, critical race theory which is the latest bogeyman of the right. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about that right now. You, you know where I stand. You also know where I stand on drugs. My brother died of uh, abuse from drugs two years ago. Two years ago, almost to the day. Um, I feel very strongly that had marijuana not been an illegal substance, my brother would still be alive today. My brother started using marijuana Probably in middle school and moved on to heavy drugs, hard drugs by the time he was in high school. Now, had he been going to 7 Eleven to buy marijuana cigarettes, like I used to go to 7 Eleven to buy beer with a fake ID when I was his age, it would have been a gateway to a Slurpee. It would not be a gateway to freaking heroin. So, yeah, Dave, you and I are on the same freaking page. When it comes to drug use. I believe that this country has put the wrong people in jail for this. I think that the drug manufacturers and the pharmaceutical com- companies in this country are as to blame as any street level dealer is to blame. And surely more to blame than the addicts that we spent the 90s and 2000s lock and the 80s locking up. So I agree with you on it. And maybe I was just a little pissed off that uh, you and Kennedy decided to make this about Joe Biden. So, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. Love me, baby. What was that? Like love me something. I can't remember. I don't know what I do. Okay. I'm an improv comic. Another thing, you know, on his podcast, he's accusing me. He's accusing me of talking points. Okay. Look, Dave, you're a stand-up. You write your act. I don't write anything. I'm an improviser. I didn't write this freaking podcast, and you probably could tell by how bad it is today. But I, it is it is a nonsense thing. Now, I'm happy to talk to Dave about drug policy, about comedy, about politics, about the reality. I really want to have a calm conversation with him. He seems like a smart guy. I've been on TV with him a lot. Um, You know... <laughs> I don't know. People uh, have bad days, and I was annoyed, so I reacted poorly. Frankly, um, maybe I'm just getting burnt out on this ridiculous narrative that Joe Biden is the devil, and it's a narrative coming from the right. And I get it, Dave. You you call yourself a libertarian, and from what I see, you believe in libertarian policies. But frankly, listening to your podcast as I had to do yesterday, it wasn't bad. And I'm not saying it was bad. Listening to your podcast seems a lot like every other conservative show. After you had your time, you know, having fun with our segment, which was fine. You move on to talk about Joe Biden having mental difficulties, which is just a ridiculous right wing meme. After you spend 20 minutes accusing me of talking, having talking points and going on TV with talking points and being something out of the 90s which I guess was your way of saying I was old when we're not that different in age. I mean, I'm probably, in my, I'm in my forties. You're probably in your late thirties. You know, we're about the same age. I know it's hard. And when you cross over that line into 40 land, you'll understand, <laughs> but I get it. Whatever, whatever makes you happy. I don't want to fight with you. Let's have a conversation about politics. I, I reached out to him. I, I sent them a message on Twitter. And I reached out to the producers over at Kennedy and and said, "Please give Dave my cell phone to text me, so that we can arrange to be on each other's radio shows." And I have a radio show. The interviews I do here are from my radio show. I do the podcast in the house. The radio show I do at a studio. And I'm happy to have you on the radio show. Happy to go on yours. Happy to do it in person. I've got my shots. I'm ready to go. Happy to come meet you in Brooklyn or wherever you live. I think it's Brooklyn. And uh, happy to have you out here. Come out for the day. I'll buy you dinner. We could talk. It'll be nice. I think that that the world needs more of that. And I do think he's a smart guy. Uh, I do. I know he called me an idiot on his show. He didn't call me an idiot on TV. Kennedy did, uh, but he did not call me an idiot. Uh, but he, you know, he he insinuated that I was not so smart. Uh, but that's fine. That's fine. You know, it's it's TV news. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to really get your point across on TV news. It's kind of hard uh, to really dig deep into an issue on TV news or really understand where somebody's coming from, from it. Because quite frankly, had we not been in, you know, react mode on cable news, I probably would have asked Dave, you know, to expand a little bit more and we would have went back and forth. We just saw that we had a lot of common ground on Joe Biden's positions of the nineties. I would have said, look, uh, okay, yeah, and I did pivot to uh to where's the right on this currently, right? You're talking about Joe Biden in the 90s, but the right is somewhere currently. and and the problem starts in the 80s. actually he he actually pointed out Joe Biden was to the right of Reagan in the 80s. Politics in America changed dramatically after Reagan got reelected. It, you know, when when a guy gets, 49 states for his reelection. things start to be played on his turf and it has remained that way it still remains that way it's, it, really Donald Trump the thing he disrupted most was the Reagan worldview of politics at least from the right it's the one thing I appreciate about Donald Trump frankly it would have been hard for any politician in the United States of America to be completely opposed to Reagan with few exceptions. I mean, I mentioned Maxine Waters a little while ago who, you know, they love to pick on, but Maxine Waters had the courage to stand up to Reagan in the 80s and, and to Reagan's policies that dominated this country till about five years ago. Joe Biden was no different, whether he believed in them or whether he saw that's where the political landscape is, whatever. Whatever. As president, he has not acted on those policies. He has backtracked on those policies. And I said, he's evolved. And they made fun of me saying he's evolved. He has evolved. The whole country has evolved. It's very easy to be on the outside throwing a bomb at something. It's very different to be on the inside governing and trying to make things work. And I think Joe Biden did the best he could with the information he had in the game that was being played politically in the 90s and 2000s. And I think as president, he has moved to the left on a lot of these things. And I believe, look, I truly believe that by the end of the Biden administration, marijuana will be fully decriminalized. Now, well, it's decriminalized now, basically. But it will be legal. It'll be taken off that schedule that it's on right now with heroin and other incredibly dangerous drugs. It is ridiculous that it was ever there to begin with. I've said this before. I'll say this again. I know a lot of potheads. I do a lot of improv comedy. A lot of potheads in that game. I also know a lot of alcoholics because I played football in college. A lot of alcoholics that I played football with. Uh, the alcoholics will try to punch you in the face. The uh, potheads will give you an awkward hug and maybe steal your your snacks. Uh, I, I'd much rather be around the potheads. They're more fun. I don't do either. So, uh, you know, pick and choose. All right. So uh, that's the show for today. I know it's a little different. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. I remind you always to uh, follow me on Twitter. i Matt Christopher Hahn. If you like this, please uh, subscribe and tell a friend and rate us. Give us five stars. And I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you can look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.